Devastating news for Rams fans out here in Los Angeles, Albert, with the news coming that Cam Akers, running back for the Rams, has torn his Achilles. Suffered a torn Achilles while trading. And he's going to be out for the season. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all over. Uh, first injury of the year, and it's absolutely devastating. You know what I'm talking about. You heard it in the intro. You've seen it everywhere. We've all talked about it. We've all already traded CMC Plus for Darrell Henderson. Cam Akers with a ruptured, torn Achilles. Uh, a lot of angles here. A lot of things to talk about. I had Cam Akers as my dynasty running back nine. I had him just behind Jonathan Taylor as far as second-year running back rankings. I was expecting the Rams to be a top offense, a top-five season out of Matt Stafford. I was expecting the best year of Bobby Trees we've ever seen. And I was expecting an absolute monstrous Cam Akers season. I was one of those. Um, This hurts, man. Uh, the Achilles injury, as we've all seen on Twitter, is just is just so devastating. And this really makes me rethink. I still think the Rams are a very good team. Uh, I think Stafford's still decent at his ADP, but yeah, I don't I don't know what to do about Cam Akers, guys. I I, I haven't touched my rankings. I need to update them, and I don't I don't know what to do. Like. Do I make another sheet and just have like, or like another list of injured reserve, like to be determined? I'm looking at this and I don't, I don't know how to treat it because it's not an ACL where I can, you know, buy low and, you know, it's such a routine injury. We have such great treatment for it now these days. People come back from that. The Achilles, no one comes back from it. Like Lindale White, the old USC running back as well as Tennessee Titan, 2010, age 26. Never came back out of the league. When I was reading that, you know, that's what I thought of. I I was I would like Lindell White. That was one of the first players that I had seen in college football during that USC-Texas-Vince Young national championship game. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, I never actually knew what happened to Lindell White. Like, what happened? He, he, Achilles happened. Never came back. Andre Brown out of the league after Mike, Michael LaShore, one of the best examples of this because most of these guys are 24, 25, 26, like an average age of 28 or over. Michael LaShore was 21 out of the league the following year, never came back. Ernest Graham out of the league. Kendall Hunter, two more games, was done after that. Beanie Wells, remember him? It was, in a, it was a friggin' Achilles dude. Turf toe and then Achilles in 2013 never played again. I feel like that happens a lot with these injuries. That's what happened to Clay um, Thompson. The list goes on and it brings it to a very glum point. And I'm sorry to start off so so somber, but uh, Joe McKnight, another USC running back, 26 years old, ruptured Achilles tendon, never came back, and and he also was tragically killed in a in a road rage incident. Uh, we have Arian Foster, who was a bit older, never came back. Dante Foreman, remember he was supposed to come back, never came back. Uh, last year, we have Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack will be back because Marlon Mack is uh, the 
the best running back in the National Football League, and he has superhuman strength. All right, let's have some positivity, some affirmations, and let's try and get through this. But yeah, I don't know what to do about Cam Akers. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a, it's an absolutely devastating blow, as everyone has dealt with. Um, so. On that note, I'm going to welcome you all to Terrestrial Takes. Um, I'm flying solo right now for the news items little portion. Tim is Tim is gone. <laughs> Not sure exactly where he is, but we have quite we have the most guests of a Terrestrial Takes episode ever coming on as soon as I get through these very few items. Um, Cam Akers is down. Darrell Henderson, RB one season is upon us. Uh, I'm not an uh, I'm not a Darrell Henderson fan. Uh, I just don't think he's very good. Honestly, I know he had the great um, college season. I'm not. I, I think he was a fine college prospect, but I've seen him in the NFL and I've not been impressed from what I've seen. Not whatsoever. I've seen. I mean, I've watched all his plays, but people post uh, his highlight reels, and his highlight reels are absolutely pathetic. <laughs> they, I, I've never, I've never once watched Darrell Henderson and said, "Wow, wow, did you see that?" Darrell Henderson was so good that they felt the need to go out and draft a much better running back and athlete in Cam Akers the next year. I would be very surprised if they don't go out and get somebody who that is. Uh, I'm not sure the the waiver wire free agents. That's very, very barren with with what Gurley, Devontae Freeman. Duke Johnson. I mean, the real issue, I think, is that the the Rams are going to go out and trade for somebody. The Rams don't care about draft capital. Uh, They'd much rather just go out and get somebody. And we all know that running backs are cheap as hell to get. So I just expect somebody to come into that backfield and uh, take Darrell Henderson's lunch, whether that be from uh, outsourcing or staying in-house with uh, Xavier Jones. Uh, and I guess to wrap up this Cam Akers injury news is, uh, you know, injury ethics on Twitter. When you are allowed to talk about how your fantasy football teams are affected by injury, uh, what what is the pro- what is the proper uh, standard operating procedure for this? Like, do I have to say thoughts and prayers, pray for him and his recovery, and then I'm good? Am I in the clear now? Now can I talk about it? Um, Basically, what I'm getting at is people saying that you shouldn't victory lap on somebody being injured. Now, I think that there's a very simple rule for this. It's called DBAD, all right? It's in the the ISIL, Infinity Stone Empire League. It's in those bylaws, but it's something that I think you all should live by. DBAD. Don't be a douchebag. That's it. It's not victory lapping, like uh, talking about it. But don't be a douchebag. Don't go and say, see, I told you Cam Akers can't stay healthy and you're stupid for drafting. Like that is just don't be a douchebag. I just don't think that uh, people should be thought of as evil for talking about, man, my fantasy team. Like a lot of people were on the timeline saying, if the first thought that crosses your mind is your fantasy team instead of wishing him, you know, good luck and recovery. You're basically a bad person. And I just want to ask how long were the Rams? How long did they take before they were thinking about replacements? I just basically don't be a douchebag, but 
I'm not an ethics channel. I'm not here to say like philosophical items or some shit. Uh, I'm here to talk about fantasy football and that it was what was affected. I, I feel awful for the kid. If you couldn't tell by the introduction to this pod, uh, I was absolutely gutted and not because just of my fantasy football teams, because I was very upset for him as a player. I was very excited for him and it was devastating. But uh, that's it. Just don't be a douchebag. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I think we should really be abiding to. The only other uh, news item that I wanted to uh, get to today was uh, Aaron Rodgers turning down a two-year extension that would make him the highest-paid player in the NFL. Just showing more and more that it's not about money. And uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is baby enough. I think he's petty enough to sit out. I do. I know he's going to make $30 million. I think he is. Uh, I think he's pissy enough and will, will be a martyr and go down with the money. I don't think it's the most like. I'm not saying that's the most likely option. I think he plays elsewhere in Green Bay, but I'm not ruling out him not playing at all. Uh, I'm ruling him out playing in Green Bay, though. That's uh, I just don't see that happening whatsoever. But I think that's it for news items. Uh, I don't even have a show sheet or an agenda up. Those were just the two things that I've been wanting wanting to talk about the last day or two. Wanted to wanted to get those out. And even though I didn't have Tim here today to bounce those off of, just I wanted to, uh, I don't know, I felt good to just talk about him, I guess. <laughs> but we're going to kick it to the main event. We're talking campus to Canton this week. Got a lot of uh, of smarty pants coming on tonight. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. So let's kick it to the main event. It's time for the main event. I'll give you a finger, Duchesne. <laughs> on that note, welcome to the main event. Uh, a, a segment only seen here on Terrestrial Takes, but uh, I am proud today <laughs> to be welcoming the most amount of guests ever. We've got, let me count, one, two, three, four, one hand of Smarty Pants is on today to talk about a campus to Canton League. Dynasty Coach A at the Monocle kind of covered the can- uh, Canton side. We're going to be talking mostly about the campus draft that is just wrapping up if we can uh, get a trade completed to even out the playing field. (laughs) But we're going to be welcoming in the host at Levi Valentine, the baby maker, Trevin Cremosa, Brent (laughs) Hutt-Hikus, Todd Foster, and Aaron Wilcox. I don't see uh, Twitter handles on the Zoom call, and I wasn't prepared to get them all out. So... Uh, I got mine, Duchesne's. Yeah. One of us is prepared. At Levi underscore Valentine, FF Banterman. Indeed. You know the handles. <laughs> They'll be in the freaking tweet. You know why. We're here. <laughs> right? yeah. We're here to talk about Campus the Canton. And I'm going to hand the baton off to Levi because he emailed me a 40-page bylaw sheet that I <laughs> kind of read. But why don't you give the people the information, that the, the bare minimum that they need to know about this. It sounds like you read that as closely as uh, you looked into your Greg McRae pick, so <laughs> not very closely. That did not take long uh, to get to that. <laughs> uh, it's pretty... So, for the campus side, is that what you want me to focus on, Duchesne's? All right, yeah. so for the campus side, we have basically mirrored the NFL side. We have 35 uh, player rosters. We have 11 starting spots, two quarterbacks, two running backs, three receivers... Uh, and then the rest are flex spots. 
and we have pretty standard scoring except for the tiered PPR, which I know is a Duchesne special. Uh, so half a point per reception for running backs, one for receivers, and one and a half for tight ends. Uh, we did do a league vote and decide to do this a little differently, and we have no waivers during the season just to make it as simple as possible for us. And also, I think that it'll make the freshman draft next year a little more interesting, make those picks a little more valuable since there'll be some players who pop up during the year who make it through to the draft next season. So those are probably the main things to know before we get into the meat of this discussion, Duchesne. Yeah, that's probably what the people need to know. Um, that was pretty condensed. That was condensed. Yeah. <laughs> do you have I that scripted gone, i i would have gone on a lot longer i didn't even have a show sheet ready for him i didn't even know he didn't know that he was going to be leading the way given all those details and he really packed it down into uh impressive this thing's been my life for the last three what's it been now three or four months guys my wife's about ready to divorce me so it's a good thing this draft is ending so we got trevin and brent haikas uh from his po- the podcast fantasy players club uh mm-hmm. a real a real treat you should go check that one out but did he bring this up to you guys first and like try and get you roped in and then like expand i don't even remember how this materialized well i think last summer um we talked about it a little bit um i i, I didn't know what it was i'd never i'd never heard of campus to canton before and um levi told me about it and it sounded pretty fun because I love college football. So I was on board. It was just, I, th- I think I heard about it a little bit too late last, last summer to start it last summer, but I'm, I'm glad I did. It's, it's been a lot of fun, especially drafting on the college side. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think same so. thing. He, uh, he said, he's thinking about setting something like this up. I told him to screw off cause I heard how much work it's going to be, but I'm <laughs> glad I got into it with him and uh, appreciate all the hard work he's doing for it. Cause it has been a lot of fun to do it. I think the biggest obstacle we had last offseason was that we didn't have enough people who were interested and going to be committed enough to fill out a league. And so that's where you all came in over the course of the past year. I was fortunate enough to get to know you all a little bit, and we had enough people to fill out the league. Yeah, I mean, you got me interested from, uh, I'm sure, our happy hours, which if you want to join, give us a DM. It's every Friday. We go pretty ham. Uh, I was then... We were trying to fill up the last two spots, and I reached out to Todd Foster, the three-time champion, and I got him roped in. So um, what were your thoughts, Todd? Uh, I was excited to jump in with a league with people that I listened to. And if you listen to my podcast, A Tale of Two Rivals, I complain so much about how Dave is lame and will not play C2C because, you know, I, I don't know if there's a spreadsheet to support this yet. So um, actually there is. Uh, Jared's got it, whatever. But anyways, um, no, man, I love C2C. It's my favorite format. I mean, I love my rookie drafts. But I mean, I'm that kid who grew up like looking through the Street and Smith magazine. Uh First time I heard LeBron was on a was on the football magazine actually, so like yeah C two C man when it came into my life I was excited so it's nice to be in this week with you guys and another place to talk some shit so it's a good time. <laughs> this what? is not your first C two C league though, right, Todd? You're in no, I think this is my this is my seventh league. <laughs> Yeah, I got a problem. Uh, so, um, my wife will probably also divorce me, but um, yeah. but at least I I'm just, not a commissioner going down. So. Yeah, 
<laughs> I, th- I think that's notable because I think you may be the only experienced C2C player in this league. So it'll be interesting to get your perspective yeah. tonight. Well, I've been, I, I've been writing about it for like two years over IDP guys too. So yeah, I've been, this is like my favorite format, but I also feel like my first article I did, like I wrote it the month after my first draft. And I go, you guys are all going on this ride with me. <laughs> so i'm like this is awesome so yeah. i didn't know you were that uh into c2c when i asked you actually but it makes yeah. me feel much better now all the times you snipe me it makes me feel like damn i was i might have been <laughs> on the right track dude dude yeah i um i get really into like rankings and lists it's just fun it's like a fun part to me you just like you know you just move guys around you don't have to write like twelve thousand words to explain why so um <laughs> Yeah, so like when it comes to like startup drafts, man, especially like the college ones, I'm always tinkering. <laughs> yeah, Aaron and I had a lot of discussions about trading. That's what I, I wanted. He, yeah, I think he was tinkering a lot too. Aaron was a trade maestro. I actually faded the trades because I just didn't know how to fucking do it. But the last person I was trying to get to because we have so many heads, it's fantastic. But is uh, Aaron Wilcox, my Debbie devotional partner, compadre, what up? Hey, buddy. Hey, glad to be on here with all you guys. Um, Really enjoyed this draft, honestly. I mean, everything went really smoothly, and I was happy hashing out some trades with with some of you guys, that's for sure. Um, Happy with how things went and and can't wait to break it down tonight. Yeah, glad to have you guys. Uh, And uh, judging from our group chat, uh, Aaron Wilcox, you did ditch your girlfriend to be on this (laughs) podcast tonight. So I don't know about that choice you made. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm along with all you guys. You know, we're all going to have relationship, marital problems, but it, it's all right. It's for a good we're all on this right? boat together. Yeah. <laughs> Just start the, the expectations early. That fantasy before everything, and then if she <laughs> sticks around, you're good. <laughs> you got to set the bar. All right. So, without taking all night, I want to get into the drafting and the strategies here, but every the draft board's up and everyone's name's different. I wanted to start with who was here first and was it me up first? I was at the five. What Aaron woke I, up. Aaron I was Aaron. number two, actually. All right. Yeah. So your husband hopeless. You had to go and change your name. So why don't you <laughs> yep. piece off? Tell us why you went Bajon Robinson. Crazy pick. And uh, what was your thought there? Uh, I don't know how crazy it was, but it was probably <laughs> not what a lot of people would have done. Uh, I. It was a fun pick. I'm and, sure. If it were last year, I definitely would have gone quarterback when you had, you know, clear-cut high-end quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields at the top. But I didn't feel uh, that level of certainty with Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, and and DJ Huangalele this year. So when DJU went, I was like, the most sure thing I felt was like Bijan's value is probably going to grow over the next few years, and he's going to probably be a top end pick in rookie drafts in two years and so I just had a level of comfort with him and I think there was less downside risk with him than maybe I felt with some of the quarterbacks and then I also think on the campus side there are just so many quarterbacks out there that one of the things we may get into a little bit is I adhered a little bit to the strategy that Austin Nace recently outlined on campusdecanton.com of his zero quarterback guide to drafting and so I kind of took that approach and I felt that pretty happy with how that turned out for my team. We'll get to your pick, but I was unhappy to see who you were able to get at five as a result of this though, Duchesne. Yeah, we're not going to go pick by pick. This is a 35 round draft, but th- that was the second <laughs> overall pick. I just wanted to 
get start off with that but more so i'm going to be asking i, I, I want to know why um your thought process of how you were looking to set up your teams but at two you and Bajan, which is by far i think the consensus rb1 um somehow i got the five pick i was up next out of this group and i got spencer Rattler, who's who's my qb1 in debbie but i don't blame you going Bajan over uh spencer Rattler because i think people are a little hyped up on the quarterbacks because we just had you know we've had some really good quarterback classes but trevor lawrence and justin fields those were the top two prospects in that entire recruiting class coming in like these other quarterbacks aren't as as touted as prospects so but i was able to get spencer freaking rattler at five so i just i I hammered that but my thought process was to try and i think most will agree so it might get tiresome by the end uh try and get some nfl studs early and then try and get some camp guys because in this league you score points for your college team so you can get guys that are bums that don't have nfl promise I was shocked that Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs went over Rattler and Howell. Honestly, yeah, I was. Um, I, I wouldn't have taken Howell. I was looking. I was eyeing Brees Hall. I was hoping that was going to be my pick, and got Rattler. Up next, we had Aaron Wilcox, but I believe you had another strategy. Yeah, so I actually traded back. So here with with Todd F. F. Bannerman, I was able to kind of swap with him. So I think I was at the eight spot, moved back. Well, so he moved up and and I'm sure he'll describe what his strategy was, but I mean, he went the quarterback route. I was willing to pivot off of that and say, similar to the strategy that uh, Levi just mentioned that Debbie Dietz, Austin Nace has um, recently talked about, but anyways, kind of punting the quarterback a bit, at least um, putting it off until more of the mid and late rounds in this format. So I actually went Keishan Boutte, um, LSU wide receiver who broke out this last season had a huge um, stretch on the the very tail end of the season and he's going to dominate this year he set up really well in spring game he was dominating um, I expect a, a big big season for him so I was willing to pivot off of that um, mid first round pick and then also pick up some more um, top four or five round picks so I'm trying to load up on that top end talent as much as I could and I, I like how things turned out throughout the draft I Ended up getting a, a couple guys later on that I think will really fill in my quarterback room fine. So uh, that's kind of what I did right there in, in my first round of the C2C draft. Yeah, uh, you were trading a bunch, as I said, and I feel like you like you normally do eat up value. Uh, you're very nice in the discussion, so people love trading with you. I'm guilty of it myself. You're a sweetheart. Up next was uh, at 109 was uh, Trevin Cromosa, baby maker here. Uh, you, you saw four quarterbacks gone, yet it, the fourth one was a little questionable, I think. Uh, then we have three running backs gone. So where were you thinking of going here? So with my overall strategy was I didn't need to uh, – that's kind of a question for the group. How much thought was going into it based on your Canton side of the league? Kind of an open-ended question. You don't have to say a whole lot about it, but um, I'll just put that out for everybody first before I give my answer, I guess. Mine was a fair amount just because I had the second pick, so there was not a lot of uncertainty before it. So I had a lot of time to think about my quarterbacks on the camp on the Canton side, and I felt pretty comfortable there. And so that helped me feel comfortable taking Bijan number two. Uh, I went. I needed a QB, so I spent up and I got Dak. I mean, whoever starts for the Saints, I got him. 
but I'm not really looking for that long term. <laughs> and then we all know Cam Newton's going to be a beast for so many years in New England, right? So um, for me, I, so I know you guys have talked about the late round QB. I agree with that outside of tier one. Outside of tier one, I agree with that. I think I don't agree with what Deshane said. I think that Sam Howell is just at the same level as those prospects. I think Ugalele is at the same uh, same level as those prospects. And I think uh, I think Rattler's the guy I'm the most unsure about, but I do put him over. Oh fucker, talk about Howell. You're questioning Sam uh, Sam Rattler. <laughs> well, I think with Rattler, man. I mean, first of all, Rattler's not throwing that deep ball accuracy. Nah, that Howell he had a bad year. Up. He had a bad year. Howell didn't even have a bad no, year. No, I'm saying Rattler. Rattler had oh, a Rattler, bad year. sure. You know, you know, Howell when he put like breaks freshman, like, you know, touchdown records and then shows more efficiency <laughs> in his second year. He sucks. So um, anyways, moving on. So and he's like prototypical. It's like the I feel like with Howell, like how you're seeing like people be like he doesn't have the rushing upside, which I get. I don't disagree with that. But pocket pastors have a place, man. Brady's been a freaking fantasy stand like like asset for what? Oh, so Sam Howell's the freaking goat now? Is that what we're doing? We're already labeling? Mac Jones 2.0? I'm from New England, man. The first pocket pass I'm going to pop in my head is Thomas. (laughs) St. Thomas. But anyways, uh, for me, like Bryce Young was the last of the tier one QBs, man. Man, you you got so lucky we didn't get to you yet because Trevin gave this – Great question that led us to it. That, 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 was, that was it. That uh, was at it. 112, you, you're looking at Bryce Young. You have to smash it. But. No, well, I traded up to eight, man. Oh, so this, well, this board, <laughs> this freaking board is impossible to read, dude. I don't know what you want from me, man. Duchesne, you can switch it to buy round, so it shows you the picks in order. So I just made. switched it to buy round. It looks like I can now see how this stacks up. <laughs> Todd, Todd actually traded up to eight and took Bryce Young. So he should have been going before Trevin, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we're yeah, off the rails. Right. <laughs> it's a good time anyways to answer your question real quick i gave no shits whatsoever about my uh canton side when i was drafting brett what about you i did a little bit i knew my tight ends especially after trading mark andrews last week i felt like i needed to get some older tight ends and hopefully i can hit on at least one of them because all i have is logan thomas and uh um, Bryant from Cleveland Browns. So I felt like I needed some more depth there on my NFL side, but that's the only way I really looked at it when when I was drafting my college players. I was the same way with Will Mallory. So yeah, the, just for tight ends. And, the, and it's like a phenomenal value in how to be able to do tight ends is through that that mm-hmm. side because they're still not going to command a lot of capital in the in the campus drafts. All right, we're back to Trevin. What were you thinking at whatever the hell you were at? I... Yeah, so on my – that is the one position I was thinking about. I have uh, Russell Wilson and Josh Allen as quarterbacks, so I'm hoping they're good for a while, so I didn't think I needed to reach on any quarterback in my first round. Uh, so I just went value and uh, went with Pickens, who he might not play for me on this campus side this year, but by all accounts, he stood, still should be one of the one or two receivers off the board on the uh, – Okay, but who'd you go with in the first round? Oh, shit. (laughs) Spiller. (laughs) Shit. Spiller uh, from Texas A&M. My bad. Makes makes Pickens that much better, right? (laughs) I'm going to blame it on this grid again. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so I went with Spiller. So there there goes all my analysis out the window. And then, uh, yeah, we had... I don't know, it's so hard to read this. And then Aaron went 112, but he was before everybody at 108, but that moved. Brent, Brent yeah. went, uh, had the ninth pick. 
right, yep. we're, that's where we're at. Yeah, I, I got Tank Bigsby. Um, I know he won't be coming over to my NFL team next next year, but two years he'll be eligible for for the NFL draft. And I like Biz, Bigsby. I'm obviously not my favorite player out of that draft. Um, I was really hoping somehow Rattler would fall to me. If after he fell those first four picks, I'm like maybe there's a chance, but. Deshane's kind of ruined that for me, but I, I really like my second round pick too. It's uh, David Bell from Purdue. So I feel like I got a good running back in a couple years and one of the top receivers for next year's draft. Yeah, I really wanted uh, Bell. There was a lot of times trying to find people that I wanted and, and seeing that they were gone. It was, it hurt more because of my just, I mean, I'll, I lack of knowledge of all these players. Um, I feel like we were all pretty consistent with wanting to take um, guys that had severe uh, NFL promise. Uh, when were you comfortable taking somebody that you just didn't think would be in the NFL, but might be a campus stud? Let's uh, let's go back to Brett with that one. Well, let's see. Um, let me check out where I got Matt Coral. Yeah, so um, that was another pick that hurt. And uh, just real quick, there was no show sheet. I didn't give anybody an agenda. Where I'm throwing these questions out as they come. Well, um, I, I like Matt Coral um, for college. I don't think he's going to be an NFL starter. Um, if he if if he is, great. Um, I I just don't see it. Um, I, he'll he'll get me good stats this year, and I feel like my other quarterback I picked pretty early too, Dylan Gabriel. So I feel like that my two quarterbacks will really help me out on the campus side. I don't, I don't think they'll help me that much with the, with the Canton side. So, and I got Coral in the third round. So it was right after the second round. Yeah. So you went early on that. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to chip in on that? Uh, for me, I feel like that's where my running backs came in, but I also kind of feel like the running backs also position where like late round value comes out in the NFL, you know? So like for me, like you look at the guys I took, like Max Borgie, who I think some recency biases come in after. Yeah. You love that. Um, at the very least, man, like he's going to be able to go into a backfield and be the receiving back and be a great one, you know? Um, so he's have a role in the NFL. I'm higher on Tyler Goodson than anybody, which probably means he's going to suck. And then on top of that is, um, was it? Oh, Weedy Brown, man. Like Weedy Brown was somebody I had last year in campus Canton. He was a beast. And, um, you know, Mel, Mel Kuyper put him top five on his board. So he's definitely going to suck. But um, my point is, is that I think that, um, you know, Weedy's another guy that like, if he does it for another year, he's got two years of production. He can actually run between the tackles. So you're looking at guys that like are probably third day picks, but they're going to get drafted. And like running backs are like such a replaceable like position as in like Xavier Jones has been picked up uh, like a quarter million times in, in sweeper leagues right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, you know, that's the way I'm kind of was playing with the running backs. And then, you know, I, I love building through wide receivers too. So I'd rather go that route. So for me, those are the guys I think are going to help me out really well on the campus side. Uh, but I think they'll have some, uh, some hands on the Canton and whoever took sincere McCormick from me, you're dead to me. <laughs> I, I will um, kind of chime in as far as my strategy on taking college only players or guys who don't really have a great path to NFL success or, or high draft capital. And I waited till in my eyes, the 14th round to really go after a guy who I don't really see as like a big time NFL player. That's Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, quarterback from UCLA. And then after that, I started hitting um, college producing guys for sure. So a couple of rounds later, I got Kevin Marks jr. Buffalo running back. 
Um, Bryant Kobach at Toledo, Jaden Blue Temple, Justin Hall, Ball State, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So then at that 14th round, that's where my, my strategy did change for sure. Not that I was afraid to, to pick, you know, five-star or four-star guys who fell to me who maybe won't be the collegiate producers, but that was the point where I really was comfortable taking those, those college studs as far as the scoring that they can bring to my college roster this year. Yeah, you snipe Kevin Marks for me. I was really hoping to get him, so good pick there. Well, you, the funny thing, yeah, the funny thing about that pick was he said in the chat, he goes, Todd, you want to trade up? I know who you like. Yeah, that's and that's who was at the top of my queue, and then he picked him, and I mean, messaged him, I go, how did you know that? <laughs> Dude, Aaron and he was like, he's like, he's like, I didn't. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Just no happened. <laughs> Me, I'm in the, I'm co-managing with Omega and we're talking. And then Aaron sends us DM saying, Hey, you want CJ Verdell? Yeah, you want CJ Verdell, man? You might you might want to trade trade up here, huh? I've called his fucking bluffs, got got my CJ, got my duck. Um, I was going to say, you, you took him later that round, too. I did. Yeah. I was like, I yeah, ain't letting him fall anymore. <laughs> hey, fall. Yeah. Um, something else. So I took. I started off with um, guys that I thought would have NFL promise. I even took Keto and Slovis in the third, who I don't even like. But people, NFL has a hard-on for USC quarterbacks, and that guy's going to be a top-ten pick no matter what the hell he does, I feel. Um after the couple of those picks, I, I started going pretty high risk and I took, I, I just went to the, the, to the prospect page and just looked at all these top prospects that were falling and, and kind of reading their stories and reading wide, but like Brew McCoy was the top recruit and he had some, you know, problems. Uh, you can't even put your finger on what they were homesick or something, but he ended up showing up against my ducks. So I ended up taking him there. Uh, but another guy was like, um, Uh, you took that Oklahoma receiver, Duchesne's. Uh, I was I was kind of eyeing for a while. He was the number one receiver. Yeah, Hazelwood. and he just hasn't done anything so far. Yeah. So that yeah. was one where I was like, he's good, had two years and hasn't done anything yet. I don't need to wait on him. And then one more was uh, Trey Sanders, the, the top running back prospect. That's been in tons of injuries that I, I was like, fuck it, I'll take him. It's a 10th round. <laughs> You haven't even touched on what I think was your most controversial pick, though, and that was <laughs> Colorado quarterback Brandon Lewis in round four. So I wanted to bring this up tonight, too. We need to talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I, well, I was in a, I wanted to see what you got. I was going to go around the horn and say what the worst picks were, but I feel like two of them were mine. <laughs> no, they, de- they definitely were. Oh, yeah. Um, there were some times where I went off the rails, and uh, that was just one where I trusted Dynasty Coach A. I went to uh, his model. He has him high in the model. Omega said, yeah, sure, dude. And, uh, he pulled the trigger on him. It was, it, was, uh, it was a little early. A little early. Uh, we're about, I'm about to take my 36th round of replacement for somebody, and I might be able to still get Brandon. <laughs> well, that was, that was wild. That has to be the earliest he's ever gone in a C to C lead. Oh, oh fuck that! <laughs> it wasn't a good pick. It was a, it was a, it was a blood there. I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> sit here. What, and, uh... what was most shocking to me about it, though, beyond the fact that he's a three-star quarterback with ten career pass attempts, <laughs> is <laughs> is that he was your third quarterback in the first four rounds. So it's eat him up. I was, yeah, that that it stuck out even more to me because of that. 
I, I don't have as good of an excuse for that one as I do the uh, McCray pick. Um, it was honestly so long ago, I could barely even remember what You're was going solid on. on the CFL side, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You, you, you have Campus a strong... to Canton. Canada to Canton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a guy to throw out here because I was thrilled that I got him where I got him. Eric Gilbert. All right. I got him in the, like the end of the fourth round. Who's like probably like the most hyped tight end prospect. I know he's playing wide. He'll probably go back to tight end. The NFL is my guess. I was shocked. He was still there. I almost didn't want to take him because I have the same feelings. I'm sure why everybody else passed on him. Is everybody else feeling the same way about Gilbert? I mean, if he plays, he's going to explode. Uh, the reason I didn't was just I don't think he has such an advantage if he's listed as a wide receiver, if that carries over to the NFL side. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as high on him just because of the transfer. You know, he was going to go to Florida, then he ends up in Georgia. So I guess there's a little bit – I don't – I'm not going to try to um, place any sort of um, stigma on him, like what's going on, like mentally or like, like – his decision-making process, I guess I could more poke at there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that that whole situation was really strange. And then also, I think some of the transfer fund had to do with grades, academic stuff too. Um, but really, like like you said, he's a great prospect, best tight end prospect yeah. ever. And he's got, you know, all the athletic ability, all the things that you want, really. So it's just kind of a boomer bust pick in that way, just because of, I, I think that there's some uncertainty there. Like, is he actually going to make it? Like, is he going to actually play this year? What's going on? But yeah, I, I would say that I am worried about his Wonderlick score. Um, that that's something I put a lot of stock in with my tight ends. <laughs> um, so, but no, like for me, it was more like in the end of the fourth round, you're picking a guy who's very easily has a road to being a first round draft pick. I mean, you know I already I mean? took Brendan Lewis from you. I that's who was the top of my queue. I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. I'm like. He's a wide receiver now. What do I do? <laughs> so um, no, I I don't see Gilbert like I kind of feel like Gilbert and Pitts are gonna kind of be in that same thing where they're saying like they're gonna flex out Pitts and play wide. They're gonna play both, man. They're gonna be flexed, you know, like and that's what gives them so much versatility in the NFL, man. I mean, I with Gilbert too, like he also played really well. I and I will also say that I've been higher on May uh, Michael Mayer than Gilbert from like day one. I freaking love Mayer. But um, at this point, like, I feel like he's going to go back to tight end. So I thought it was a good pick. But I also, at the same time I did it, I felt a little dirty. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. Anybody else have a, a pick that they were just freaking stoked to get that it just kept falling? And you're like, yeah, I got that guy. I got, I, I got him. I will say that Caleb Williams, I, I won't go into depth on him, but he's the next Oklahoma great quarterback, in my opinion. But you just got to listen to uh, our most recent episode on the Debbie devotional on, on the Monocle Dynasty podcast, because I, I talked about that with John and, and DeShane's here. So, um, but I, I was excited about that pick. That was uh, middle of the fourth round. Brendan Lewis did not make the cut. Caleb was a great pick. I like that pick. What about a snipe? Was anybody sniped hard, like late? That you're like, how the how the fuck, how the fuck did I just get sniped in the? Because I did. I know uh, fucking Toddy took Catron uh, Jackson, Arkansas wide receiver in the thirty fucking second <laughs> round. I was like, there's no, there's no fucking way. <laughs> I 
I think it was the 30, um, what was it? Like 31, 31, like round 31, where I like my top 11 players, like nine went before I got to my pick. Like I was like, you guys were sniping my entire queue in the 31st round. <laughs> like, like, like I've never had that happen in any draft ever. Like where I'd have like my entire queue getting up to my pick just dwindling. And I'm like the 31st round of a campus like draft. I was like, that really messed with my head. I was starting to think I'm like, somebody's hacking my shit. Like what's going on? <laughs> like, like this is going to stop. But um, yeah, no. So pretty much like that entire round felt sniped. Um, whoever went, uh, Sam Heward uh, getting picked right before me was, was, was painful. That was a painful, painful pick. I really, really wanted him. I love watching was, his highlights. That was one of Drew's like 10 quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was okay with not getting him because like I said, like I agree with your guys approach to QBs outside of tier one. So it wasn't the end of the world. And uh, I got up getting Vandergriff later on too. So I don't really have that much like lower than Heward anyways. So I had one go the JJ McCarthy, the freshman Michigan quarterback. I uh, just, a guy that I had read some good things about, and it was my only guy that I was really trying like hell to trade up, and I just couldn't get anybody to work with me at all. And as he was falling, 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 there's a couple quarterbacks that got taken, so I just had a bad feeling he wasn't going to make it to me. I finally ended up, it was the end of round eight of the snake draft, and I had that call, and he had that two picks in a row there. And uh, he goes, well, I'm going to make one pick, and then I'll work with you on the next one. And, of course, that was the that was where he took J.J. McCarthy. So I said, never mind. I don't, <laughs> don't need to trade with you anymore. I'd say that, right. hap- that happened to me in the middle rounds. Uh, there was like, like my, my top four in my queue um, were taken all within like five or six picks. And the number one guy was a guy that Levi took was Roddy Rivers from Fresno State. I, um, I don't know. I don't know if he had much of an NFL career. He, he might, um, but I think he, I mean, he's going to get some great stats on the, on the college side. Unbelievable dual threat running back uh, mm-hmm. out of the backfield. But Brent, you got me back because you took a Jai Hall in the third round, and I really wanted him in this league. So I was pretty sad about that. And then the other one that hurt a lot was in round 20. Uh, Kelly Bassnett took Don Chaney Jr., the running back from Miami, that I was really hoping to land that round. Instead, I'd settle for Ashad Clayton from Colorado. So hopefully Deshane's boy can get him some targets out of the backfield for me. <laughs> I was actually born in Fort Collins, right where that school is. <laughs> I got a soft spot for him. I, I, maybe that's why I went after uh, Brendan there. Fort Collins is Colorado State, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's what so I'm talking close about. <laughs> Boulder is Colorado. Yeah. So I was born yeah. in Boulder. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Are um, you sure? <laughs> 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 this is why we edit pods. Um <laughs> Don't edit that. I ain't editing <laughs> shit. We don't edit shit on terrestrial things, baby. <laughs> I, I gotta know. I gotta know. I know. I, I, I have a thing for people that everybody hates. Maybe it's empathy or I just feel bad for the dude like Jordan Love. But what the fuck did Bo Nix do to everyone? What did he do to everybody? He can't complete a pass. Neither yeah. could Josh Allen. <laughs> no, he, I'm not making that. Call. He, he can't now. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I Bo Nix is just 
just a horrendous passer. Yeah, he to get to the NFL, man, he's a tight end. Like, <laughs> end story. Like, it's a position switch. He's not a key. So, he, so he's getting drafted, and I took him in the 24th round. There you go. He got him in the 24th round. He, I was he, like, enough. <laughs> I hate this dude, but. Yeah, he'll probably come back at 33 and try it out for tight end, you know, uh, probably with Urban Meyer also. So, you know, good stuff, man. Um, but, yeah, no, he's. Sucks. That's he why. Does, he does suck. <laughs> That's what he did. Everybody. He sucked. That was that was the exact quarterback I was avoiding. Uh, just players like that, to where they're not going to have the high upside in college, and they also don't have an NFL future. I can find somebody else in a small conference that can give me a bunch of stats for the quarterback side. Trevin says your pick sucks. He's not good in college, and he has no NFL future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to defend. Uh, I think it was Chris Sims. I, I can't remember exactly who, but somebody, high profile analyst, said that Bo Nix could go in the first round this year. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to defend that. I'm not on that board by any means. I'm all board. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> you're right, right. DeShane's would like that. But, um, you know, if there is that buzz out there, I guess there's a small chance that it could work out because, I mean, we saw that um, the Auburn system just has not been good the last couple of years. So, definitely not tailored to bonex and strengths versus this year maybe it will be so who yeah. knows yeah. yeah that's true man i mean if nicks does land in the first round and you pair him with mccray on the cfl yes side, yes you guys you guys are built really strong in canada I'm, right I'm, I'm all over the northern fucking hemisphere dude <laughs> Oh. Maybe Doug Flutie has like a nephew that's going to get drafted soon. You'll <laughs> so be all over the CFL. I, I thought it was a worthy risk. Got a guy that if if he you know just figures out how to play his position, he could be good. I mean, I have well, a top. I have 150 rankings for C2C and IDP guys, and and Nix is in it. Oh, just, let's, just let's be, go. But I mean, he's like 146 or something. He is on it though. But. But the point is, is like, is what he just does on the campus side. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he does put up points and like, there is like, you know, the, the possibility of him having a bounce back year and kind of getting that. I hate him, but you have to respect the idea of like the possibility of like value increasing. You know what I mean? Like Drew Plight, who I took out of like Ball State, I, I don't see him playing quarterback in the NFL or getting drafted. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, point being is that like, you know, there is a, there's a road to Nick's improving his situation. You know, so Duchesne's got him at 284. So, what you're saying is he got a steal based on your rankings, Don. Hell, you, dude. Pretty much. I mean, hell, you, dude. For me, I don't want to draft him, but I can respect people who like. So, like, when I do rankings, it's like for me, it's like you got to respect the value. I'm not going there, but there's value there, you know? He did average 17 points a game last year for you, Duchesne. So, I mean, same with Derek King. I know he had a, a, a torn ACL or whatever, but um, and he's like a sixth-year fucking senior. But I was like, fuck it, dude. He, he was like the he was like a top fifty guy last year or something. I got a lot of stacks, but I don't want to keep you guys here all night. And I don't want to run it all night, but I want to give you all a chance to say anything else you haven't been able to say that you wanted to get out about this draft. Hands, I have up. something, Levi. We talked a little bit about this before the draft on our show, and I think it was really interesting to see how it played out in this draft, but you had two distinct strategies that I think really stuck out to me in this draft. On one end of the spectrum, we had Drew Christensen, who took almost, what, 80-90% freshmen, sophomores, like underclassmen, including like nine quarterbacks. I think I just looked and counted on his roster. (laughs) So 
his team is not going to be likely very competitive this year but he's aiming for that NFL upside with a lot of those players. I would assume he's aiming for, you know, volume at the quarterback position, hoping a couple of those turn out to be studs and translate into his NFL roster. I would assume I wish we had him on here to talk a little bit about his strategy, because I think it was super interesting to see what he did in this draft and how he just took freshman after freshman after freshman. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have our friend Josh Dinas who took a ton of group of five players uh, I think like total power five players he may have had single digits or low double digits and so kind of the opposite where he's going to have a really strong team likely on the campus side because he's taking a lot of these players that are going to put up a ton of points at these small schools but probably don't have a lot of upside in the NFL and then I think the most of the rest of us were somewhere in between those two as far as strategy so I just think I'd be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on those two players in particular and how they drafted and how you see that working out for them the next few years. Yeah, I, I could definitely elaborate a, a little bit on the freshman-based team, or at least mostly freshmen or underclassmen. Um, there's a couple of reasons why I wouldn't go that strategy, though. Um, I'm good friends with Drew, and I really I see what he's trying to do there, really stacking up that NFL upside, as you alluded to, Levi. But most of those guys are not going to be startable in C2C for two plus years. Um, and yes, even the guys who have a breakout, typically they're not consistent, at least till that year two or three. Um, they're about three to five plus years away from your NFL roster as well. So if you're looking for a pipeline to your NFL roster to help your team next year, maybe the year after, they're, they're not there. Um, many of the top prospects don't pan out. So you have to be really good um, trying to hit. You only have 35 roster spots. You have to land the ones that are going to hit, the five-star guys. Otherwise, you're going to have a barren roster for the upcoming few years. And then many of the better prospects go to these good schools, but they're not going to be these superstar producers on the college end. So even then, you know, you're punting many years in my perspective, I guess, on the college side, just to go that strategy. But, you know, if you get a bunch of, of the next um, Bijan Robinsons and Jameer Gibbs and et cetera, et cetera, then, then you're golden. So uh, I'm very interested to see how that's going to work out long term. Should be a good uh, case study. I'm very in, I'm interested to see what's going on with that, too, because I'm just thinking because after the draft class this year, he's probably going to have like 30, 31 spots still left on his team and he's got to draft 15 so um it'll be interesting to, to see what he does with those other 10 picks maybe he trades them maybe he cuts some of the freshmen that i mean look like they're not going to pan out um it's tough to do that after just one year in college i mean like aaron just said you need two or three years to see where they're at um but it, it is kind of like throwing darts and it'll be interesting to see how many of those freshmen he hits on Anybody got anything else? They wanna yeah. So I, I, I love targeting that freshman class in the middle rounds, uh, but you know, there's certain guys that I get super high on, but so to me, it's kind of like, you kind of have to go and pick guys that have like steady production. I personally think in the first like tennis rounds, you know what I mean? Guys that you already know that have an NFL profile, you know what I mean? Um, I think the, like you have like your differences in like your Caleb Williams and your, you know, your, you know, your Trey Hendersons who like, if they hit, you're talking about like, a, you know, an absolute stud. But other than that, like 
you know, a guy that I'm super high on is like Xavier Worthy, who's going to be a Texas because like I just see him with the separation and I'm happier taking him like later than in the beginning. So I kind of feel have a worry with Spike exactly where said, like spending high capital on those younger guys and they don't pan out like you just really handcuffed yourself on both sides. You know what I mean? So that's really difficult. So the way that I typically do my C2C leagues are, is that like, I always have like a running loser of like, whoever's going to be my starters. Right. And I feel good about by like halfway through, if I filled my starting role by like 50, 60%, you know what I mean? And then I have backups for every single role. And then I always have like, you know, an extra right there which I'm really happy that Drew just heard me a pick to get another flex for my starters this year. But my point being is that like, yeah, that's a risk, but I mean, but we all like reach, like I reached on uh Javante uh, Sanders because they finally decided to have him try out his tight end. But, you know, I might be like advocating the switch to IDP. If we decide to, the heat goes back on defense for Texas, <laughs> but um, you know, I just needed my share of that guy. That's the other thing about C2C too, is like to a certain degree, like just go get your guy and have a good time, man. You know what I mean? Like I like, that's a guy where I watched his film and I'm just like, I'm like salivating, watching it over and over again. I'm like, I need that guy in my life. You know, <laughs> he doesn't even know this and he's 18 years old. That was weird. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you kind of hit it there at the end why I wouldn't do Drew's strategy because it just doesn't seem fun. Like he doesn't, he'll be lucky to have guys on his starting roster that are playing a lot of minutes this year because he's got so many freshmen, 90% of his roster is freshmen at big power five schools. So what are you just sitting there and you don't have anything to watch on that campus side. And so it might not be the best strategy for actually winning these leagues, but I want to have some fun in these things and actually be watching the team, put up some points. Sure. Well said. So we're going to get to the last part of this, which is a brand new segment. Never seen anywhere else. We're going to do a beer check where we go around and uh, ask what everyone knows. That's a joke. It's a long running joke because I stole the main event from these fine FPC guys. So I'm going to go around real quick and say at Aaron Wilcox, 86 at FF underscore banterman at T underscore rev 25, but doesn't matter because they're too hot for your eyes. And at <laughs> Brent hikes with each H E I K E S. Those are all my fellows that hopped on tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, There's some good stuff. It was good to talk shit about my terrible picks. <laughs> Duchesne's left me out, but that's okay. I'm used to it. I got you at the beginning, babe. No worries. <laughs> at Levi <laughs> underscore Valentine's. The FPC one thing, guys. Can I ask one more question? Hit me. Uh, this one's maybe more specific to Aaron, but I'd be curious on everybody's thoughts. Aaron, I know one of the things you were somewhat concerned about was your potential depth and your ability to field a full starting lineup this season with 35-player rosters and 11 starting spots. Do you still have that concern coming out of the draft? Yeah, yeah, good question, Levi. I don't as much, and I definitely tailored my draft to make sure that I had enough um, guys on my bench who would be startable throughout the season. So I just switched up my strategy based on the um, the league um, roster restraints or, or um, limits that we had. So, no, it really was not an issue at all. Um, I'm happy that um, everybody could, you know, um, agree that this was a good amount. So, um, yeah, I think it worked out really well. I'd be interested to see if anybody else had issues or if they liked it as well, because I, I do think that it, it worked out for the best for everybody. Oh, it stressed me out. 
Um, but I, I liked it. But the thing is, is that like I'm used to like a 50 round like campus side. But at the same time, it just made it like more challenging, you know? Like that's the thing about those leagues. Like you gotta like those changes that kind of like make you like rethink things, you know? Like I in, in a typical like you know campus strike, I'm not doing a I'm not doing a stack you know, for Ball State in the 30s. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, if anybody wants to go see a Ball State game, I'm so down now. So, um, but yeah, be the most so, hyped but, dude of the whole state. Yeah. Yo, highs, baby. Yo, highs. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah. Whoever took Justin Hall, screw you too. But um, yeah, that, yeah. But that was me time. again, Todd. Sorry. That that I should just say screw you, Aaron. Even if it's not your fault. He's learning. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, man. Yeah, so uh, it definitely it definitely was a change, but it was a you know it was a fun change. Yeah, I thought it was great. I wouldn't mind going ten more, but I was I think I was one of the people who voted for thirty five. But after doing this, there's still about twenty five more players on my queue that I need to draft. So I'd love to go ten more rounds. <laughs> it made me realize that um, the the first round the pick like the first round picks for the rookie draft on the Canton side next year might have have some juice more than I was thinking. Yeah, I think so. A little humility here, maybe we, it's possible we fucking missed a couple guys. But yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you guys all for coming. That's the main event for this week. Well, that was a lot of fun. Big shout out to all the boys that came on. Make sure you follow them. I'm sure you got their ads at some place. Check out Fantasy Players Club at Fantasy Player C. Check out Tale of Two Rivals at Tale of Two Rivals. Make sure you spell out your numbers. I'm not leaving without giving my gripe of the week. My gripe of the week is when you send a trade offer... And the person you send it to sends you a message back and they say, yeah, you know, I'm just not that interested. And they basically decline, but they don't decline the fucking trade. And it just sits there after they say they don't want the fucking trade. Like, dude, I I appreciate you reaching out to me and telling me that you don't want this trade and, and why it didn't work. I'm all about the conversation. I'm all about, you know, the back and forth. But you can just decline it. Don't make me go in there and withdraw it. It's fucking humiliating. All right? And then uh, my highlight of the week has got to be the Bucks winning this NBA title. That was really good for the NBA, even though the ratings weren't great. But seeing a good dude like Giannis win the title, staying where he's at, signing with his small market team, not going out and making a super max, whatever, super team, uh, dream team, whatever. Uh, I've been on. I've been falling out of love with the NBA a lot the last couple of years. And last night, that that performance he put on to seal it was legendary. It was one of the best performances I've seen in, in an NBA game, and I thought it was fantastic for the sport. So that's my highlight of the week. And then one last thing that I want to say that I kind of come to, came to the realization of is what I want to do with this podcast, and that's. When I made this podcast, what it really started with was me wanting to talk about the game. And it, I talk about news items. I talk about fantasy football and like implications and campus to can because I do talk about that. But I cannot wait for the sport to start so I can start dissecting games because I think that's where I, uh, my biggest strength is, is where teams really executed something well or missed out or did or blundered a decision. And I, I didn't I, I kind of went rogue last year. Um, when when the season started, I uh, I stopped recording. So 
I'm just excited for this year to start. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace.